this is a time where none of us can be perfect. And we're constantly adjusting based on the information that we get. And that is the topic in many ways of this Devar Torah. I realize that the late 20th century American education I received was severely lacking when it came to an understanding of how wrong is handled in society. As a child, I was told over and over again by well-meaning adults trying to simplify how our system works and how I should understand my moral actions by them saying that when one does wrong, one is punished. TV shows are mostly cop shows and have been. The basic model of how society functions, wrong is committed, the person is then punished and harmony is restored. As it was so often put to us as small children by teachers, when you do something bad, you see, you go to jail. That's what it's talking about on the TV. It shouldn't have been surprising that the philosopher Thomas Hobbes made the most sense to me in my undergraduate moral philosophy class. The government exists because you need an institution powerful enough to punish wrongdoers or, or those pursuing self-interest will cause the whole thing to fall apart. Meanwhile, the public sphere as I've experienced it has mocked religion because it talks differently. It talks about sin. Religion, we are told, is about brainwashing people through the use of these terms, guilt and shame. Tell people they're sinning and you can control them. If you're smart enough, you realize it's all manipulation, an assault on your individualism and autonomy. So, we're not supposed to think of the term sin. It's negative. It doesn't have anything to teach us. Our story is that when you do wrong, you get punished, and the system enforces it. Want to cheat on your taxes? Don't, because you might get caught. Want to take advantage of someone in a vulnerable position? Don't, because you could get caught. Don't take the chance of being a bad person. Bad people go to jail. Of course, there's only one thing wrong with the picture, it isn't true. We all know that the jails have long been filled disproportionately with people of color and people who don't have the money and connections to avoid punishment. We all know that the rich and powerful have ways that you and I do not have of putting their money in offshore accounts and making up fictional businesses to avoid taxes. We all know that corporate leaders enrich themselves through short-term moves that damage the retiree, the pensioner, and often society itself. And when it leads to ruin, there is no punishment. You declare bankruptcy, you blame it on a subcontractor, you rebrand. If it's really bad, the government will bail you out. And the taxpayer, the debt for future generations will accumulate for them to pay. You can keep your yacht. There's no jail cell waiting for you because there are no punishment for the really big crimes. And just as we should stop giving children our facile and glib answers to the God question, Maybe we should stop giving children the explanation that they can trust that wrong is followed by punishment. Trust is built by speaking the truth coming from our best selves and then living with the consequences. Speaking that truth is the only foundation that stands firm, which is why we say amen to someone when they say something that should stand firm. It's the truth. Amen means that's the truth. That stands firm. In Vayikra, we have the presentation of this concept of sin through an exploration of the expiation of sin and the process, in, the, in other words, the process that sin leads to. 
It's a different paradigm entirely. It begins with anybody who unwittingly, in, unwittingly incurs guilt in regard to any of the Lord's commandments about things that n- are not to be done, but does one of them. Nefesh kitechta bishgaga mikol mitzvot Adonai, asher lo teasena viasa meachat mehena. Or if it's a priest, im hakohen hamashiach yechta leashmat ha'am. If it's a priest who has incurred guilt in the performance of their duties, the blame, the consequences, fall upon the people. And they go through this process, and it explains the whole thing, and there's an animal, and there's seven times of dipping in the blood and sprinkling, and everyone's there. Then it goes to verse 13. Forget anyone or the priest. What if it's the whole Adat Yisrael, the whole community of Israel that has erred? V'nelam davar me'enai hakahal. And the matter escapes notice of the congregation, so that they do any of the things which by Adonai's commandments ought not to be done, and they realize their guilt. Then the formula plays out. The whole process, the bull and the this and the blood and the sprinkling, except this time the elders of the community come forward and lay their hands on the offering while the process is being done. Verse 22. When the nasi incurs guilt by doing something unwittingly, nasi, what does it mean? Today, the word means president. It could mean chief. It could mean tribal chieftain, kind of political leader. When the nasi incurs guilt by doing something unwittingly, any of the things by which by commandment the Lord God says ought not to be done, and then realizes his guilt, or the sin of which he is guilty is brought to his knowledge, Then he shall lay his hands on the bull, and the process goes on, and the seven, and the sprinkling, and the blood. And finally, verse 27, the fourth step. First, we had person and priest, the whole of Israel with the elders, the nasi, and finally, and if any person of the populace unwittingly does a sin, then the process. And chapter 5 defines what this sin and guilt is. If a person incurs guilt when he has heard a public imprecation and, although able to bear witness as one who has either seen or learned of the matter, he does not give that information, then that should be subject to punishment. When one has heard public information and, although able to testify to witness that one has learned of a matter and does not give that information, That is the sin that should lead to punishment. The Torah system restores the vital middle steps between sin and punishment. The essence of society, according to Leviticus, is that order is created and chaos kept at bay by a system where when people realize that they have acted wrongly, they grow. They take in new information, new knowledge, new direction, and they take steps that follow in those new ways. And second, they realize that individual actions affect not just their own individual stories, but the lives of everyone in society. That's why the whole, like, everyone's collected in the Mishkan, everyone's collected around. You realize, you know, when I did something bad, this whole society, which is normally invisible to me, I'm polluting it. 
I have effects on people I don't even know and I don't see, even in future generations. Both of those elements, the growing and the effect on individuals that you don't see, are left out of the narrative of you do a bad action, you get punished. Growth and the consciousness that our mistaken actions affect others are the key pieces of what creates order. The point of the Vikra system is to create order on Earth. When an individual does wrong, and it says over and over again, in all likelihood, unwittingly, we're imperfect. We screw up. It causes damage to others, polluting the system. And God gives us the greatest tool to correct this, personal growth. We can realize that what we were doing is damaging, and we can grow. The system is not sin and punishment, because if you're already at punishment, it means that the God-given tool has failed, the personal growth. It means you are keeping out the new information that you're getting, and you're saying, I was perfect before. And so I, I'm not going to witness to that information. I'm not going to accept the consequences. That is the God-given tool. It's the personal growth. Guilt is not a verdict in a courtroom. Guilt is realizing that what you thought yesterday actually wasn't right. It's an acknowledgement that we're still growing. Sin is realizing what you didn't realize before, that what I thought was not too bad was actually changing the lives of others. I was actually bringing chaos, and I thought I was bringing order. It was hurting people I'll never know. The temple courtyard, the whole Adat Yisrael, symbolizes the anonymity of the system. I don't even know all those whom I might affect. This is exactly what is breaking apart in our system now. Our trust in our leaders is not that they will always do right. It's not that they'll always do right and they'll always follow the law. Our trust in our leaders is that they will grow, that they will take in new information and understand their oath of office is the public trust, that when they do wrong unwittingly, they can stand up and say, this affected people. And that maybe I should have said things like, I was saying, oh, you know what? The virus hasn't spread. You know, it, no one's tested positive around me. That, you know, people were kind of saying that people could be sick without actually having been tested, especially because there weren't too many tests. And I was wrong. And maybe decisions I made affected others. But I can grow because I'm not expected to be perfect. I have a relationship with God that tells me I can grow. God's calling upon me, and we can change our actions to follow a better way. Plagues prey on and expose the weaknesses in our systems. And this is not just a practical statement, but a theological one. It's not for the Nazis, the presidents and the governors of our society to say and do things that cause damage to others when they don't grow and change, that's hardness of heart. And maybe the whole lesson of the plagues and of Pharaoh was not that Pharaoh was being punished for his sins, but that he couldn't embrace growth, that the tyrannical system he created was so weak that the plagues demolished the society he was bragging about creating through his own perfect way of leading. What he was bragging about as a strong system was a system so full of weaknesses it was demolished. Given the chance to grow and to see how his actions had hurt people, he couldn't do that. 
So he couldn't bring order as the chaos came in, and the chaos preyed on the weakness of the system. And today, of course, we see the weaknesses of our system and the consequences, which are concentrated by our leaders putting their own egos and self-interest above the consciousness of their need to learn more and realize they were wrong, and to realize that their words and actions have had and will continue to have an effect on others. Today, we see our leaders double down on being witless. The Nazi of England is briefed on the best knowledge of how pandemics works, and then says that the best course of action for England is to, quote, take it on the chin all at once, and then contracts COVID-19 himself. And what I expect of him is to go through the Levitical process, to own how he has hurt people, and to change his actions to rebalance the system. When leaders bring the sin offering, when tribal leaders lay their hands on the bull, it's their way of saying, we blew it. We should have known better. We had information and we acted wrongly, but we didn't then. And others paid the cost. But we can acknowledge our imperfection and grow. And this is what we need to do now. We witness a U.S. senator, not just any U.S. senator, but one married to the chairman and CEO of the New York Stock Exchange, like it's some kind of fable, dump $3 million in stock after a private briefing on the plague while telling the public that the plague is being hyped. We witness a president, a Nasi, repeatedly lie about the availability of medical supplies or about the facts of his own actions, and he refuses to see how that doesn't help the 48-year-old Kios Kelly, who moved from Michigan to New York 20 years ago to become a dancer and ended up becoming an assistant nurse manager at Mount Sinai West, who died from COVID-19 because a person in his position, the assistant nurse manager, did not have the priority to receive protective medical gowns. And because when he contracted it, his asthma was no help. When Leviticus begs us to go from unwitting to better than when we were before actions. And when our Nasi doubles down on his witlessness by claiming that medical supplies are not being used just because they're not being used yet, or he belittles the governor of a state rapidly ascending the list of epicenters of the plague, and then the thing I would tell my 13-year-old self is not, well, he's doing wrong and so he should be punished. The thing I would tell my 13-year-old self is leaders don't have to be perfect but they do have to grow and own their effects on others. And that's what we mean. That's what I mean by your relationship with God. I would tell my 13-year-old self, the Torah realizes that we say and do stupid things, things that will cause harm to people we'll never know or see. But what we can do is to say, that self I saw as perfect yesterday was witless. But God has allowed me to grow. And it's our ability to grow and to realize that everything we do affects others in the system. It's that that rebalances the system, not punishment. That's the foundation of the trust that builds society, of the trust that builds our very lives.